All right, everybody, welcome to the 254th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage here uh, at my mom's house. So apologies, less uh, audio quality than you're used to from my end. And uh, your boy is downloading a patch that will solve all of my connectivity issues on Xbox Live to uh, 2K. So watch out for some TikToks. How are you this wonderful day? I'm good. It was it was a bit of a weekend. Um, obviously, we're still in the pandemic and nothing's really been the same. We're trying to get back to normal, like baby steps. So it was more of a of a people field filled weekend that, that I've ever had. I drove down on Saturday and met one of my good buddies um, at Autzen Stadium for the duck game. Our seats are up top and there's nobody behind us. And there's like a couple of rows empty in front of us. So there's nobody really near me. I maybe interact with like 10 people the whole time. And so I felt completely fine there, but it is a two hour drive there and back come home. um, And we had the in-laws over for the night. And then we hung out with my parents um, that afternoon. So it was just like, I didn't really get a a chance to just decompress. Like I'm so used to just, you know, hanging out at home or, you know, watching TV with the cats and so it's, it took a little bit of getting used to, like it was, it was fun, but it's also like, I need my me time. So uh, that's why I'm a big proponent for the three day weekend. You know, you've got your errands on one day, your rest on another day, and then you can do anything around the house or apartment that you need to do on the other day, three days. Perfect. So I, I, I personally don't think my generation will ever get to the, the four day work week, but I'm, I'm hopeful that the generations uh, that come after us will hopefully get, get some better, uh, get some more time off because it, it really is important just to just to be present and to to, to keep the mental right. And uh, but overall, good weekend and uh, obviously Halloween was super fun. Had a really so we handed out some candy before we went to the movies, and we had full size Starburst and Skittles. And the kids were like, oh my, like they were just losing their shit. So that was fun to see because you remember that when you used to do trick or treat as a kid and you'd go to those houses and they were like, you guys are the best house. And I told Olga, that's all I want to hear once a year. I don't care if we have one trick or treater or a hundred, as long as one kid says we had the best house for Halloween candy. I'm like, that's, that's, you know, I'll wear that as, as a badge of honor. So I was very, very happy about that. We didn't really have any trick-or-treaters where uh, my mom is. Uh, it, it's really hilly, so it, it, it would be best used for uh, trick-or-treaters to like go over like where the, the, the less, less of the hills are. And, you know, I had to uh, get food on Halloween night, and, man, there were just so many kids out with their parents and stuff. And I was like, you know, in my old age of 30, I really do not like driving in the dark with all of these people around me. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so my mom's birthday is tomorrow. So very excited to have the uh, peanut butter and chocolate cake that she ordered. We're recording basically directly after a uh, pretty embarrassing loss. Did you actually watch this or were were you lucky in not having to visually see your team get ate up by a second string Philly team? No, I'm a radio only boy this year, unless it's on ESPN or, or TNT. So we've got, I think about three or four years ago, we went to um, an old record store and they had one of those like seventies type of record players. 
got that still happens as am radio on it so i just turn that on sit on the couch usually there's a, a cat or two next to me and i just i sit back and i can kind of visualize what's happening if there's a big play the blazers twitter is really good at getting that up there so you, you can kind of visualize it uh the nba does a really good job after the game of putting like 10 to 15 minute mm. highlights so i can get a download that way but you know, with all of the problems that Root Sports is having, especially oh, now. Bro, you're, you're already, we're already talking about my ugly for the good, bad, and ugly. Yeah, so I'll leave that for you. But I'm, I'm saying it's <laughs> it's a, a navigation just to get the game on. Like, I've got my routine. I can put on the game. I can listen. Um, I think Travis Demers does a pretty good job. Clearly, he's no Bill Shonley or Brian Wheeler. But there's been a reason that up until probably two years ago, the Blazers have only had two radio voices in their 50 year franchise history. So you're not going to compete with them, but he still does a good job. Michael Holton does a good job of breaking down the kind of like what he's seeing as well. So, you know, it's good to hear. And you you can tell even on the radio who's playing well, who's not playing well. Like if I hear your name a lot, that's either a good thing or a bad thing. But most of the time, you can kind of tell. Like, I'm obviously texting you during the games. I'm like, is Larry Nance Jr. even playing? Because they don't say his name at all. Same thing with Robert Covington. Because they, it sounds like you're like we were just texting each other. Yeah, they're just running up and down the court, getting their sweat in. Like, you hear the names. You hear Cody Zeller. You hear Nasir Little, Anthony Simon, CJ McCollum. Uh, You hear the usual suspects, and they're the ones making it happen right now for the Blazers. But. Unfortunately, they did go two and three on two and three. Yeah, two and three on the week. And they're three and four now in um, the Western Conference, currently out of playoff positioning. So just to quickly recap the week that was, they started off pretty, pretty rough last Monday in Los Angeles against the Clippers, giving the Clippers their first win of the year. Uh, losing 86 to 116, bounced back nicely at home, winning a pair of games in the Rose City on ESPN against uh, John Morant in the Memphis Grizzlies, 20 point dub there, 116 to 96. You mean Desmond and, Bain and the Grizzlies? And they bounced back, finally beating Paul George as a member of the Los Angeles Clippers, despite PG putting up 40 plus points, 111 to 92. Then the road trip happened, the road woes started to take shape they blew a second half lead and the wheels kind of came off losing 125 to 113 against the charlotte hornets and then yes as we have discussed the blazers playing against the philadelphia 76er team without ben simmons without joel Embiid, without tobias harris and without danny green in the second half they gave up 113 points to a sixer team down four of their five starters losing by 10 points and it's not really what you wanted to see stage early on in the season. I mean, what did we preach to start the year? You have to get out of the gates quick, especially in the Western Conference, especially with everybody adjusting to these new rules, how the game is being officiated. You're, you haven't played a team that's probably going to finish in the top four in either conference. Philly might, but not this Philly team. So you're not playing any elite squads. You're healthy. Uh, there there's no there's no rhyme or reason for, for this to really be happening you're three and four and, and now i think a lot of blazer fans are kind of thinking here we go again i really enjoyed watching larry nance in cleveland but man oh man is he so passive 
they'll just get into like a real positive like let's say cj and he run a pick and roll and cj is the one in this instance so it's a one four and the one is just on larry nance's back and he's pushing him down and pushing him down he will pass that shit off when he should just dunk it it's so frustrating to watch him win the position battle and then just give up all all advantages to make some pass that you know it may or may not be good but like it's it's weird man our power i thought i thought our power forwards at least were you know kind of glue guys that can do a lot of things for us but man all right robert well, robert and larry are so not... i don't want to get into robert too much because we do oh, have okay, our, okay let, let's just get into it so our op- our our extended intro is now into our our opening segment the good the bad and the ugly let's start off with some positivity sage what was your good for the week i'm going after simons man like he's driving to the paint he's using that god-given athleticism to you know make plays he's definitely our third or fourth best player he's he's really putting in that work and i, I mean like it, it, it's it's a mentality thing because you knew that he was athletic enough to get to the paint whenever he wanted. It was just he chose to shoot. Now he's at least adding a drive and just adds more to it, more to his bag when he's able to get to the rim and either dunk or lay it in or float it in. Like now, now you can't just close out on him and he'll take a bad shot. Now it's he was going to attack in a multitude of ways. There was one game where he should have uh, stopped shooting, but. Four out of five ain't bad. So I definitely liked what I saw from Anthony Simons. That's a great choice. And I, I looked at the numbers because, again, on the radio, Ant's a name that continues to pop up. He comes in, he boosts the Blazer offense. They seem to play better when he's on the floor. So this could be his breakout season um, a little bit longer than most Blazer fans may have thought. Usually it's the third year that players tend to break out Um recently over the past decade or so, but it's year four for Anthony Simons. He scored in double figures in six out of the team's first seven games. He's shooting 45% from three on over five attempts a night, which is incredibly efficient. If you remove that one two for 11 outlier, uh, which you just discussed, that was at home against the Clippers and is shooting 58% from the field. Um, so that means he is getting a little bit closer to the basket. He's not just settling for those one dribble pull-ups. He looks more confident. He looks more mature. He looks stronger. Uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's contract year ant and he's looking to get that, that bag, but you said third or fourth best player Sage. I think the case could be made second or third. Uh, he's, he's been that influential in my opinion, uh, especially for a team struggling to score the basketball at times. And what I love to see the most is I don't think he's ever going to be a pure point guard, but he's not turning the ball over for a team that's having trouble hanging on to the basketball. He has just five turnovers compared to 13 assists. So he almost has a three to one assist to turnover ratio for a backup point guard, uh, still about 22 years of age. You'd love to see it. And he he definitely is taking more of the uh, playmaking responsibilities when he's in. I'm looking it up on Wowie. But yeah, like when he's in the game, he he's not chilling in the corner taking shots. He's he's initiating some of the offense. So he's definitely I don't think he'll ever be a point guard, but he's a damn good combo guard right now. So while you're looking this up, I want you to think about something and maybe you'll be able just to 
give an answer off the rip without having to think about it too much. Uh With Anthony Simon's revitalization, uh, maybe living up to the hype, whatever you want to say, his play now begs the question, can Portland pay over $100 million combined for four guards with Dame, CJ, Norm already on the books? You you know Neil O'Shea is not just going to let Ant walk for anything. I think maybe the best case scenario is he gets a restricted offer for one year and then becomes unrestricted the following summer. But regardless, Anthony right now is playing himself into some big money, especially at his age. If Neil is going to be the GM of this team, Ant is his boy, so he's probably going to do whatever it takes to uh, keep him. So when Anthony is in the game, he has a 21% usage rate and that is fourth on the team. So he is the fourth highest in usage rate. So he's 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 taken on that responsibility of being one of the playmakers. Even this game, you saw him, you saw four guard lineup with Larry Nance or Yusuf Nurkic in. Uh, what is your good? My good has been the officiating. That's right. The NBA officials are my good for the week, and that's not just for the Blazers. You're I've digging been... so shallow. I disagree. I, well, it was either that or Ant, and I knew you were going to take Ant. No, I've been so refreshed watching these games. Harden's not getting any of his baiting calls. You're seeing players actually have you didn't, to. Earn. You didn't watch the game today. Goddamn. The Sixers got so many easies, and then Dame got mugged. I, I, I enjoy it. I, I like the fact that games aren't 130 to 128 anymore. I, Scoring 25 actually matters now back when it back when it used to. It's not like you have six or seven players putting up 20 points. Um, I, I'm a fan of it. it unless like it's they're, they're officiating it like it's playoff basketball. And to me, it's always been weird where you have regular season officiating and playoff officiating. It, it should be consistent throughout the entire duration of an NBA calendar year. Seems like they're finally doing it. I appreciate it as a fan. Again, I'm more old school. I, I don't like the. Yeah, you're you're wrong, and that's fine. You can be wrong. I don't want to see. I that's that's the one thing I love about watching the WNBA. You don't watch players get paraded to the foul line. The games go by nice and quick. There's a good flow to it. If you get a little like, it's got to be a foul. Like you're a professional athlete. I don't want to see you get paraded to the line ten to fifteen times. But that's that's just it. Like get to the bucket and score. Like. Some players are having a harder time adjusting it to than others, but I think it's going to make for a better product from a fan's perspective because where it was going was jumping the shark where you have Trey Young backing into defenders, uh, James Harden locking an arm. Like you're going to get somebody hurt that way. So, you know, if they have to overcorrect, so be it. But that's been my good for for the week. What's your bad? Uh, I, I I think you're wrong, but um, I think the bad is I'm kind of worried about uh, Yusuf Nurkic and his playing time. It seems like Chance will do anything but play Yusuf starters minutes. And I know that Cody Zeller is fine, and I know Larry Nance is all right, but if we're going to be as good as possible, Yusuf needs to see a real allotment of minutes. So uh, that's what I've been keeping a track track of uh, when I watch this team is when does he come in? Because, yo, like 
there there's very it, it's like a positive matchup with Dre Drummond and Cody Zeller's in there and Yusuf hasn't been in in like 15 minutes. So that I, I think that might be troublesome uh, with uh, Yusuf. He puts up magnificent stats, but I'm not trying to have Rick Spence be my starting center. He needs to play real minutes. My bad is more, it's kind of a bummer. So I was getting ready to open the laptop Thursday night, NBA on TNT, right? Like, I want to watch the game. Bulls and Knicks were oh, Bulls and Nick, like the two franchises of the 90s were are actually good again. Like, let's watch that. The Nick fans are obviously wild on Twitter afterwards. Like, it's kind of must-see TV. And it's NBA TV. And I'm like, what, what the hell's going on here? Well, to find out the next day that the NBA on TNT is not playing on Thursday nights until January because they're afraid to go up against the Thursday night football on the They went against the, the, be- the they played against like the best. It was the Cardinals and Packers. Like most Thursday night games are goodness gracious. I guess the Titans now without Derrick Henry versus the Jaguars. Like most games suck. It's like most of the time it's like, oh boy, I get to watch this really bad game. Like I think that's such a short-sighted thing that the NBA, the TNT broadcast did because Thursdays are usually when the best games are. Exactly. Thursdays Thursdays used to be where you would But yeah, I mean, yeah, like a five-game slate, two really good games back-to-back, that's so short-sighted. Like, I know the NFL is going to get better ratings. It's the most popular sport in America. Like, I'm not naive. But there are still a lot of people who want to watch NBA basketball. Like, you're still going to get good ratings. Um, So hopefully it only lasts a year, and it'll be back year-round next season. But until then... Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Like, I think the NBA just needs to continue to make more nationally televised games available and like maybe do Tuesday to do maybe some of the up and coming teams like uh, the Pelicans or, or the Hornets. No, 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 or... Chill on the Pelicans. We are not up and coming. Well, three, when, when, Zion, when Zion was healthy. So, you know, once he gets back. Never to Peru. Either way, you get my drift and then maybe, yeah, you can do like your typical Lakers, Warriors bucks on on thursday those are marquee matchups but it it was kind of a bummer but uh it is what it is and until then we have to wait until until january sage what was your ugly for the week so i'm at my mom's house and my mom has cable so i didn't need to find alternative ways to watch the game so i turned on root uh when i got to the house for uh the, the charlotte game and i was like why is it fucking muted? They gotta fix this. This is, this is just two buttons. The entire game, including commercials, it was muted for all of Spectrum users in Oregon. That is such a way of fumbling the bag for an entire base of fans to not even radio silence. Like, nothing. There is nothing on for 48 minutes of a game. And then it was labeled Kraken. So, like, people that didn't even, like, you know, the, the, the 4 o'clock, it's Blazers, Charlotte Hornets. Why is there a Kraken game? Or why is it Kraken po- uh, pregame? It was the Blazers just muted. And then the HD channel today was muted again. The uh, standard definition 
root uh, for the Sixers game was what did have sound, thank God. But an entire game with just my thoughts was fucking awful. Root Sports really, you have an asset in the Portland Trailblazers, the one NBA team in the region. Don't treat it like it's something that doesn't matter. It does matter. It's an NBA team. Treat it as such and not make it go the back, the back, back, back seat to the Kraken. Like, come on. At least, like, acknowledge that you fucked up because it's been quiet on that Twitter. So that that is my ugly, the root sports. Yeah, I feel for all the fans who are trying to watch the games and whether it was the the holdout hostage from DirecTV dish dumping root sports at the last minute and people with with Comcast, maybe they're in Southwest Washington or they're on Bend Broadband and there's a Kraken game. You have to go to this root plus channel that maybe they don't even have or or you have it's it just it it's 2021 and this is kind of why i was so irate when i found out how terrible root sports was and the blazers just taking the money without thinking of their fans it's another short-sighted deal even if i have comcast i can't go to root sports and watch the game on my computer i can't they're the mobile app i can't be on the bus coming home from work watch like i used to be able to with with nbc sports it's the ability to the inability, excuse me, to not be on a major streaming platform like Hulu or YouTube TV is, is mind boggling when you're trying to build up generations and younger generations of blazer fans, like this shit's going to die off. Like Sage, when, when our generation goes, like who knows what the, what blazer basketball is going to mean or look like to our kids, our grandkids, their kid, like it's, it is a very short-sighted decision. I've heard that even if you got Fubo, uh, they've charged you six extra dollars because that's the, what Root Sports is charging. So the Blazers don't don't just blame Root Sports. The Blazers knew exactly what they were doing when they got in bed with this deal. Like it's a Seattle-based company, of course they're going to push the Mariners in the seat in the Kraken. Like the Timbers and the Blazers, they're, they're going to get to the to the back of the bus, and uh, it's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that that's that's what it is, but it looks like that's what it's going to be like for the next. I think it's like four or five year deal. Like, I always thought that Root Sports was going to pull some shit. Like, we're collaborating with Hulu since Damian Lillard's a humongous sponsored act there. Oh no, it ain't shit. Like, it it it's it's amazing how little preparation that they've done. Like. I understand a minute of silence. My first radio show ever was 30 minutes of silence. Eventually I got it done and figured out they did not for an entire an entire game. That's just it's shocking how bad that was. I feel so sorry for the the social for the root sports. Like they're getting blasted. And it's not those, it's not the social media people's fault but it's the people that we can contact so they get all the hate my ugly of the week i never thought it would come to this it's damian lillard Ooh, dame is in i i mean since we've been watching him sage since the blazers drafted him i i think this is the worst stretch of basketball i can remember him playing and that even goes back to his summer in tokyo where i, I was 
I watched all of those games and you could tell something wasn't right with, with Lillard, his three ball. It just wasn't going in. So if you want to blame the new Wilson basketball, sure. But he shot with a FIBA basketball, which is not, you know, that's a different basketball too. So like there's been, there's been different balls. Like it's not just the basketball. If people are trying to really dig deep into it, but you know, the, 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 the numbers just don't lie. He's shooting horrifically from, from the field, uh, 35% from the field, just 23% from downtown, 13 of 56 on the year. There's been one time this year where he shot over 40% from three. That was the Friday night game against the Clippers. Um, he's only shot over 50% from the field twice. That's against the, the Phoenix Suns and the Clipper game, both 20 plus point blazer victories. No surprise there. He is getting his teammates involved. He's got 50 assists and he's not turning the ball over. Yeah, he, he, he's about a three-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio, which, again, is fantastic. Um, he's not getting those easy points at, at the line. He's only got 22 uh, free-throw attempts on the season, so that's probably affecting his point-per-game outlook, but that's not impacting, I don't think, necessarily some of the looks that he's getting. Like, he's getting open looks, and they're just not dropping. Um, this was also... This didn't even cross my mind. Damian Lillard playing bad never crossed my mind in the offseason. Like, Dame's right is rain. Like, you, when you think of uh, any player coming into a season, Dame's like a Tim Duncan type of player. You know what you're going to get from him over the eighty over an 82-game season. So even though I thought, like, his play had a potential, like he may have peaked last season, and then he might be on a small, slow decline, I never envisioned even this. And so that's, I think every Blazer fan is kind of like going like, what's, what's the deal? Like everyone's thinking, Oh, he'll snap out of it. He'll snap out of it. And we kind of got a glimpse of that against the the Clippers 25, six and four on the the 53% shooting and 72% shooting from downtown. But it, it, it was short lived, you know, to start the road trip, five of 20 in Charlotte, including two of 14 from downtown, seven of 20 against uh, the Philadelphia 76ers with really no interior presence, uh, two of nine from downtown. Um, Sage, what, what do you think this is? Um, is it the case of the yips where it's it's just all mental and he's missing shots that he's normally draining in his sleep? Do you, do you think it is just, you know, like CJ likes to say, the, the averages will, will, weigh, will kind of average themselves out at the end of a season? Like it's um, – it's a marathon, not a sprint, or is it, is it something that just can't be explained? Well, here's what I'm doing for daily fantasy. And he started at out as the most expensive guard, more expensive than Luca, more, more expensive than Curry. And he's low, like 8,000, which is like a high mid tier player. I'm continuing to play him a lot because eventually he is going to break the slump. And I want to profit from that in daily fantasy. So, you know, he's he's assisting, he's taking shots, the threes just aren't falling, and that's really making his it brings the ceiling down. There's going to be a game where that shit just doesn't matter and he blows the roof off the the house. So I'm just being patient right now with, with Damian Lillard and whenever he's on a slate. I reserve 30, 35% of my, my lineups just for Damian Lillard because it's it's going to happen. 
when you have the mentality and you're the type of person that Damian Lillard is, I don't really worry about anything. It's just that it, 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 he he's slumping. I mean, we don't know about any other thing because the Blazers are so tight-lipped about issues. So all we can go on is that it's a slump. There might be something else that's going on, but you and I will never know about it. So during the game, during his first free throw attempts, the Philadelphia 76er fans were chanting, we want Lillard. Do you think, and this is, I, 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 this is just my personal opinion. Again, we have no insight. I, I do think the, the mental stress of being the focal media attention, like we've saw it with Carmelo Anthony when he wanted out of Denver, Dwight Howard when he wanted out of Orlando, AD Kawhi, and the Kawhi yeah. AD, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, now it's it's Dame, it's Dame and, and Zion to a, a smaller extent, but it's 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 Dame. Like everyone is talking about, what are the Blazers going to do? Are, are they good enough? Does Dame want to? I'm sure he's got people in his circle saying you need to get out somewhere and you know let let's c- contend because the team you have right now isn't it. Personally, I think he wants to stay in Portland. He said so as much. I think seeing Giannis win that ring in Milwaukee fueled him, whether that was for, you know, just a short adrenaline burst or that's a a long, you know, fueled his tank for the long haul. I I truly think that's where his heart is. I I, I don't know if he's ever going to just be like when James Harden realized we're just not good enough in Houston, you have to get me out of here. I don't think he's going to do it publicly like James did, but I think he is mentally fighting that battle in his head. And I think that's causing an effect of his play um, again, that that's just me, pure speculation. Again, we're also in a pandemic. He also is a father of three. He is a husband as well. He's got a lot of people depending on him. He's the face of the city, face of the franchise. It's a lot of weight. And, and he's struggling on top of that. So now he has to answer those questions. It, it could just be where Dame just might need to be a, a media blackout. How many games into the season of Dame struggling will it take for you to hit the panic button? We're on game seven now. Seven games have been completed. You got the Cavaliers to wrap up the road trip on Wednesday. Then you've got the Pacers and Lakers Friday, Saturday at the Rose Garden. I think if he doesn't do well against the Lakers, I'll start to worry. And then maybe full out panic after like 20 games of him not hitting his ceiling. Yeah, I think that's fair. A player of Lillard's stature has definitely earned the benefit of the doubt. Uh, when it when it comes to performance, and I, I think as as the Blazers go, as as Dame goes, the Blazer goes. Um, one thing I did want to to touch on with you is watching that Memphis game. Dame got off to a rocky start. He had his first three, but other than that, it seemed like everything was off of other action rather than just good pick and roll with Yusuf Nurkic. And, and it was both Mark Jackson and Mark Jones on the call. And they noticed it too, like just quit with this funny business and run some pick and roll action for Dame to get him comfortable. Like that's what he does. He put the ball in his hands. Do you think the new strategy of taking the ball out of Dame's hands less is impacting his performance? I, you know, I I never want him to be an off ball player because he isn't a good one. I want the ball to be in the hands of the best players on the roster. And I think that starts with Damien and, 
you know, I think CJ and Ant and Norman Powell are doing really well, but if we're trying to win games and it's been a minute since we've won, they, the, the, the big boss has to eat too. So I think that getting game some early looks to get comfortable so he can at least feel a little bit more confident in taking those shots later in the game is important. It is Chauncey Billups for seven games of being an NBA coach, but you know, I, I, I think that making sure that your franchise player is comfortable should be, you know, number one in the list of things that you should do in a game. But, uh, you know, seeing CJ shine is great, but we've seen it. We need game to be that alpha, that alpha superstar for us to really win games. You know, when the NBA isn't about how good your second best player is. It's about how good your number one guy is. And right now our number one guy isn't playing that well. So we're not doing that well. So one thing that I have a question for you, since you're a radio guy, what does the radio people say about our defense? Because I think there's sometimes where it's pretty all right. And then sometimes it looks like you're watching Y league kids play defense because it's so undisciplined. What do the radio people say about our defense? You know, when there's games like Harrison Barnes and Paul George and Luke Kennard and they're lighting it up, like you you can just tell, like, first of all, they're company men. They're, they're both paid by the Trailblazers. So they're not going to be as, I would say, objective as a, a national television broadcaster. So got to keep that in mind. But you can kind of tell – Harrison Barnes left wide open again, or, you know, somebody fouled them shooting a three or it's the rotation just wasn't there. And that's, that's what you can kind of tell. It's again, you're getting that company man line. Well, you know, the rotations were, were solid. They just made a good shot. And then you see the highlight and you're like, <laughs> what is Covington doing helping off the guy four feet away when, you know, Barnes is, is red hot. Uh, you know, same thing with Kelly Oubre, just, just going, going nuts. So you're not going to get too much criticism. Even when they lost just, just this afternoon, there wasn't a lot of criticism. Like there wasn't, it's just, they're calling, they're kind of just calling the game as it. So you're just hearing the plays and then going to the video and, and seeing how it associates with what your mind thought it really looked like. And that's kind of when I'm texting, I'm like, what the fuck is Robert Covington doing here? Like, why are you leaving off this player? Like, why are we leaving off of Paul George and Luke Kennard? Like these, these dudes are locked and loaded. Like, they're, they're hot, make somebody else beat you. So that's what I wanted to like talk to you about Sage is like, I even had, you know, one of my other good friends, Matt was talking to me. He's like, God, the defense looks so much. I haven't seen this much effort on defense in a long time. And I was like, yeah, like they, they, they played good defense against Memphis. I, I saw that, but they also left Jaron Jackson jr. Open for like nine threes. And <laughs> Bain had a career three quarters against those guys. Um, so I, I just, I, I had my question for you is does more effort lead to better defense? Because what I've, what I've seen in the preseason, what I've seen in the regular season is the Blazers are doing a pretty good job at stopping maybe the first action that the, that the teams are doing. But if you move the ball on them and make them work, you're going to burn them every time you look at the last three performances, the clip or the last three losses, excuse me. Uh, in LA, the Clippers had 37 dimes on 43 made field goals, tallying 116 points. 
the Hornets, 36 assists on 46 field goals, 125 points. And today, the Sixers, without all that talent, had 34 assists on 43 field goals, 113 points. We saw that with the Phoenix Suns when they beat us by, I think, 40 points in the preseason. They're they're just moving the ball and cutting and making us make that second and third rotation. And I don't don't think this Blazer team is either – adjusted to that if they're capable if they have the the defensive iq to do that or it's just too much too soon but that's how you're beating the blazers so yes you're seeing more effort on defense and if that's the 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 standard that you're looking at great but the results are still the same They're, they're still three and four on the season and they're still giving up a lot of open looks so did we win that clippers game or did we lose it that Clippers game was the one we lost by 30. This was the 30-point loss. There was a closer one, right? No, we beat them by 19. Okay, there was – okay, in game two of the Clippers series, there was a huge run by the Clippers. And the thing that I noticed – all right, try and visualize with me as I try and remember it. Reggie Jackson – and Ivica Zubak run a pick and roll, right? So Nurkic is there, and then one of our guards, doesn't really matter. But Nurkic runs up and hedges, leaving Robert Covington, CJ, and Norm to clean up any mess. So the Reggie Jackson drove to the lane. Everybody went to stop the player and then it let Paul George have an open three. And that was the thing that caused like, that was the exact defense that they ran and that it resulted in an open three for Paul George and Luke Kennard and all of these shooters that the Clippers have. And they, they, they're they prepared to take threes. So when it's bad, it is the most easy peasy lemon squeezy way of scoring. When they play it perfect, it results in a miss. So it's it's such a high it's such a high variance of uh, results. If they don't play it right, it's a perfect three. But if they play it perfectly, it's going to result in a miss. So it, it's I think the first rotation that they do is almost always good. The second, it's pretty bad, and then the third is god awful. So the first effort, and we did not really see this with Terry Stotts, is good. Like, let's say it's a pick and roll. That works all right. But when Norman uh, Norman Powell or CJ is responsible for the help side roller and they have to try and block a seven-footer, that usually doesn't result in a good, in, in a good result. Like, there's times where Norman Powell gets that block or CJ gets that block, but usually it's a guy rolling to the basket. It, I think if we had a bigger team, this wouldn't be result in so many easy scores. But I felt like throughout this week, it's been a really undisciplined mess for at least a half of the game. Part eight, part one of playing defense, yeah, it, it, it's definitely better and there's definitely more effort. But BCD, no, it's, it's still really easy to score. You hit the nail on the head when you said teams with size give us problems. uh, The Charlotte Hornets was a classic example of that. Miles Bridges beat us up. uh, LaMelo Ball is a big point guard. Kelly Oubre and P.J. Washington had had big nights. Uh, When you're rolling out three guards, six, four, and under, 
and you're trying to do all of these different things on defense, more times than not, you're going to get matched up like on a switch. It's really hard. Like Lou Dort, maybe Marcus Smart, those type of players can hold their own. We don't have a Lou Dort. We don't have a Marcus Smart. You're, you're asking players to do things that most of the time physically aren't even freaking possible. So you're putting your players in a position to fail. And along with teams that, that have size, give us problems, teams that can shoot are giving us issues as well, because every game this year, the three point line has determined the outcome. The team that shot better from three has, has won the game. Uh, Portland is allowing teams to hit 15 threes a night. That's 28th in, in the NBA. Uh, they're allowing teams to shoot 40 threes a night. That's 24th. Uh, teams are converting 37% of those threes, again, 25th in the league. And if you want to dive a little bit deeper than just the three-point line, uh, Portland's turning the ball over at some really inopportune time. 15 points off of turnovers teams are getting, 24th, and that's leading to about 10 fast break points, again, 24th. So you're just giving teams easy and open, but you're giving teams easy buckets, which is on the break and you're giving them open looks from the most statistically it's the best shot in basketball, three, a wide open three point shot. So I don't care how much effort you're playing. If you're giving up those, you're going to lose more times than not. So there's, there's, they have to fix the perimeter defense, which we have been stage. God, I can't remember how I, long I think it's the been. Pick and roll defense is equally bad though. And um, that's that, that happens, every, you know, 70% yeah. of the time. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's tough. Like we're asking these small guys to do stuff that like a six, eight guy should be doing. And, you know, it, it's just like size is an issue, especially playing defense. And the fact is like, we don't really have that point of attack stopper. We don't have the, a top, top 30 point of attack defender to be like, there's teams with multiple and we don't have a, so asking them to do something that's kind of high risk is difficult. I mean, I feel like Yusuf does a really good job of doing what the scheme says. And then it's players that are supposed to back him help up helping the helper. I know statistically we're a good defense, but I don't believe the hype. I think if we're going to normalize and we're going to regress probably to a, bottom 10 defense well you have to think uh and we had some blo- we had schedule. blowouts too we had blowouts yeah. which is going to make it look better than it actually is I, I i know statistically it says that we're a good defense but my eyes are saying this is a pretty bad defense and if you put a little effort offensively it's gonna it's gonna be a uh, a bad time and then just like size like Anytime we have a, I, I think that you also have to include good shooting, big, and then I think speedy point guards are going to give us trouble too. Because if we're putting Yusuf and Cody Zeller in a point where they have to defend De'Aaron Fox, De'Aaron it's Fox. Not, yeah, it's not going to happen. Night. Yeah. Yep. Last topic I wanted to get into before we touch on the upcoming games. Sage, what? in the heck has happened to Robert Covington? Is is it a product of him hitting that 30-year-old wall and now declining? Or is it a product of the system that he is not, uh, that this just isn't the system or role for him? Because the the statistics and again, watching him play, hearing, you're not hearing his name being called. He's not deflecting passes. He's not hitting shots. He didn't even attempt a shot in 19 minutes. He has one assist 
on the entire yeah, his assist season. his assist percentage is awful. I think his rebounding percentage is pretty awful too. He has he has not eclipsed uh 10 rebounds once this year. He has eight is is his um is his high. He hasn't scored in double figures this year. Again, this is a player, and I, I'm being hard on Covington because one, he's a starting power forward in, in the NBA. There's only 30 jobs of those available. But two, and again, this isn't his fault, but we give up two first round picks. That is a lot of collateral. And again, not his fault, but man alive, you talk about moves that set a franchise back. Um, it's almost like you're playing four on five out there. So what's up? Can it be salvaged? He is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Again, how many more games do we let this go on? Because I was a little underwhelmed with Rocco last year. I mean, there were there were there were moments where you're like, yeah, I'm glad we paid those two first rounders. But overall, it's that 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 was a steep price to pay for the production that Portland was getting. You know, it's it's tough because normally I can say that he's in the right place defensively. I think that he's been his rotations have been pretty bad in game. It, when I try and remember Robert Covington, the main things that I think about when I watch Robert Covington is I wish he was more aggressive and I wish he would actually try and shoot because I don't think he's shooting. And if you, if you're having trouble playing defense, at least be able to spread the floor and hit some open shots. But he, he and Larry Nance have been really, really passive. And so, I mean, like, I think his one assist happened tonight on a dribble drive that resulted in a use of Nurkic easy dunk that could have been a Robert Covington easy dunk too. So I don't know. It, it's tough because he's not playing that much now because of Nasir and Larry and I guess Tony Snell's taking his minutes too, which good for him. He got a rebound and six points, I think. But um, I don't know. I, I I think you you feel like you don't give him the the the, the Damian Lillard special treatment of it's all right that you're not doing well now. You kind of have to worry about it, and I think that Chauncey Billups, in his way, is also pretty damn worried about it because he's not playing the rotations that I remember Robert Covington play. Anthony Simons is taking a lot of the the clutch minutes from Robert Covington, so I think that you are within your right to be worried today about him. And you probably need to see some something from him, whether it's he's being aggressive defensively, rebounding the ball, assisting, which I don't think is very possible, but or shooting. Cause I, I, I would rather him miss than him do one of those really little drives that results in a turnover because he drives and gets into problems and then passes it. I would much rather him shoot and miss because then I know at least he's confident enough to take the shot. So yeah, to answer your question, I think Robert, you should be pretty nervous about Robert because used a lot of utility, a lot of, a lot of assets to get this guy and he's not really worth, he's not really worth what we've given up right now. So I would be worried about him now. All right, Sage, looking ahead to the week that is and will be, Portland wraps up their three-game road trip Wednesday in Cleveland against the Cavaliers, and they have a rare home back-to-back against the Indiana Pacers and the rival Los Angeles Lakers. Sage, give us 
something to watch for against the Cavaliers. One thing that pops into my mind, we've been talking about size giving the Blazers issues. Yeah, this is going to be bad for us. This team is big. Jared Allen, Lowry Markkinen, Evan Mobley. They got some boys. I mean, Evan Mobley is so goddamn special, man. I loved him coming out of USC. He, I mean, when your father, you know, is a head coach and is a trainer that and you have gone against pro athletes since you were 14, you're going to be special. Watching him on the horns, conducting offense, like that guy, if he's healthy, it like I said it, I, I think on this podcast, but like, I thought he was better than Anthony Davis. I, I think he might be better than Anthony Davis in the pros as well. He is very special. He, he's like, he's one of those special bigs that can do everything, defend, shoot, and he's a much better passer than Anthony has ever been. So watch him. Uh, but yeah, the three bigs. And then uh, Ricky Ruby has been really good. So you also mentioned small, fast point guards giving us issues. Cleveland does play a small backcourt. So def- de- defensively, um, Portland shouldn't be impacted too much. I mean, going small, like in the post, but we saw De'Aaron Fox. I know Colin Sexton may not have that gear that Fox does, but he is quick with the ball. And he's quick. So um, watch out for Lowry marketing. Uh, if, if Harrison Barnes can have a, if Harrison Barnes can have a career night, if, if Lowry's able to just tee up those threes, it's going to be tough. Um, the Cavaliers, they don't know they're bad. Like that's the thing about the first month of the season is there's only two teams that know they're bad. That's Houston and OKC. Cavaliers are Cavaliers are four and four. They just went into Charlotte and beat the Hornets, a team that handed Portland their lunch on Sunday. So if Portland is feeling sorry about themselves, they're going to find themselves winless on the road heading back home. Who, got, to- who guards Lowry? Probably got to put Norm on him, right? <laughs> we put Norm in such bad positions every game, bro. Like, you can't put CJ on him. You can't put Dame on him. I guess Norm, like, is this one of those games where you go Larry Nance, Covington, Nurk? Do you just go big and say, well, that's as big as we can go? Like, do you just say, hey, Norm, you know, you know the deal. You're guarding some guy that's legitimately seven feet. We're going to play you 30 minutes. But let's start out big with Robert and Larry. Yes. And this is also a game I wish we had a big guard like Steve Smith, Bonzi Wells, even Wesley Matthews. Evan Turner would be great, bro. Yes. Just punish those small guards on the block, make the defense react to it. I mean, that's just a huge advantage. And that's a skill set that's kind of gone by gone by the wayside, but it would be wonderful to have against the Cavs. Next is the Indiana Pacers. I and think we lose this game, by the way. The Cavs? Yeah. The Pacers are two and six on the season. They finally got a win tonight, putting up 131 points on the San Antonio Spurs. But two and six is second in second worst in the Eastern Conference. Sage, what is up with the Indiana Pacers? Well, they've been really hurt. Like um Karis Lavert's has been dealing with some uh stress fracture. TJ Warren's also been hurt. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, I think, missed the last two games because TJ Warren was the starter. Yeah, I think, yeah, TJ Warren had a good game. 
So they've been dealing with injuries. Uh, your boy from you TJ McConnell. Yeah, TJ. Uh, yeah, McConnell's started. So or Froggy fans will hurt. Yeah, Karis Levert is back. Yeah, but he's not back. Back. No, I'm just saying yeah. he he yeah, He can play. Yeah, but um, yeah, they've dealt with a lot of injuries. Your Oregon boy is looking good. Um, yes, sir. Chris Chris Duarte. Yeah, Chris Duarte. 18 points tonight. Four of six from downtown. Like Justin Holiday's playing in an obscene amount of we, minutes. We saw Desmond Bain give Portland problems before exiting with injury. Uh, Chris Duarte is another big guard that can stroke it from downtown. So Portland better not leave him him open. Or Justin, I think Justin could, could yeah. do damage against us too. Like he's playing thirty plus <laughs> minutes because. Yeah, are you really five gonna, of seven tonight from downtown. Are you really going to play O'Shea Brissett in front of Justin Holiday? Nah. Uh, I mean, and obviously we were forgetting the two bigs, like Demonis Sabonis. I think because of all the guards that came back, he doesn't have the assist, you know, to bring him over the top, but he does have a consistent 2010 potential. And then uh, – Miles Turner has been playing some really good ball, except the one game where he played absolute dog shit ball. But he's been playing really well. He blocked shots. He hit and spread the floor. It's going to be a very difficult, you know, team to defend with our limited size. Like I couldn't imagine watching Cody Zeller on Demonis or uh, Miles Turner, especially in the perimeter. So it's going to be a difficult, a difficult thing for us to, to defend. But I think we win this game because. If we don't, we're in real trouble. Well, I remember Indiana came into Portland last year and absolutely snatched us. Mm-hmm. Uh, TJ McConnell was everywhere. Oh, yeah. and that, that was a uh, steal. Yeah, that was a a performance I won't forget where they were just hounding us. They looked like they wanted it more. Um, they they played fantastic basketball. So you can never take an Indiana Pacer. It doesn't it doesn't matter. The Pacers just seem like they always play gritty tough, hard-nosed basketball. They're almost like the, the Memphis of, of the Eastern Conference. And Carl they just, they just coach. Yeah, and, and they don't hate like him. you said, they have they have Miles Turner, but who's going to guard Sabonis? That, to me, is the matchup to watch because he can take you down low. He can shoot it from outside. He is a decision-maker with the basketball in his hands. Uh, it, it's going to be, I think that's going to be a really fun matchup. I think the Indiana Pacers are a team that's much better than their two and six record indicates. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, because of all those young guards and Duarte, his playmaking has gone down quite a bit because your boy's been playing them. I know that it's just gone down a little bit. <laughs> Last, but certainly not least. And I think this is going to be the litmus test for the Trailblazers this year, early on in the season, is, is the Los Angeles Lakers. It's a home back-to-back. Yeah, the Lakers are four and three. Yeah, they've had some uh, hilarious outcomes, uh, most notably blowing a 26-point lead to the Oklahoma City Thunder. But it's Russell Westbrook. It's LeBron James. It's Carmelo Anthony. It's Anthony Davis. Uh, Do you want Portland doesn't show up for this game like they haven't on the road. I think you need you can everyone can press the panic button and we can just go home because if you can't get up for this game You're with bugging. everyone coming back into the gym, yeah, it, it's it's lights out. I don't think that happens, but it it is kind of the. Do you think Dame goes off this game? 
against Russell Westbrook and the Lakers? I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I want to see Dame high pick and roll, get the ball in his hands, and let him make decisions. I, that, that's, that's Dame. I, again, I think the Lakers are at their best <laughs> when they play Anthony at the five. He kind of pouts and says, play me at the four. So they'll start out. It'll be probably Robert Covington, which is a really tough ask. But I think Yusuf Nurkic is a tough ask on Anthony Davis as well. Like, it depends on what Anthony Davis you get. Like, he has – he giveth and he taketh away. Like, he, he can be so dominant, but he can also be so non-existent. You know, who guards LeBron? Um, I think the key for Portland – Tell Russ he's different. Be like, you're different, Russ. Shoot that ball. Shoot that ball 20 times. Like, shoot the three. Get Russell going, making him think that he's going to win this game for the Lakers because the more he has the ball in his hands, that means it's the less that a guy like LeBron and AD has the rock in their hands. So, um, Do they play a game, I think Portland, a game before or after that might be more important to them? I mean, we're already on the second night of a back-to-back for them. No, I know for them. Because no. they, they, they've legitimately benched AD. And they, they will coast into the Blazer game. Oh, cool. Cool. They have, they beat the Rockets at home on Halloween. Tomorrow they get the Rockets at home again. <laughs> and thir- and then Thursday, you know, they're going to punish the Thunder at home. That so then they're the going to be easiest well, schedule ever. They're going to be very well rested, likely coming in on a four-game winning streak. Um, LeBron hasn't played gonna, a fourth quarter in four days. I mean, it's it's going to be, I think, a really good litmus test for for the Blazers because everyone, dis, despite the Lakers' early season kind of shenanigans or how old they may look, you'd be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't believe the Lakers are a true contender with, with a straight face. Like the Lakers are a true contender. This is Portland's first, I think, real test of the season. You want to know how they look. And I think at home, you, if you're looking for some early season momentum, I think Portland needs a shot of a momentum injection in, in, in the worst way possible. I, I just think that's going to be a matchup to watch because it's it's all of Portland's flaws kind of out there on the open stage, right? Itself in the team, man. Right. I mean, you're looking at a team in the Lakers who has probably the best length in the entire NBA, especially when they want to go AD at the five. Uh, so that that can give that gives Portland problems. I mean, the only thing the Lakers don't have is really shooting. solid perimeter shooting, but man, that they will bully the shit out of you. So. Portland better not turn over the basketball because you know they will get out and get on the break. They got a lot of guys and uh, watch out for Carmelo. I, I think he probably is he going to have a, a remember slide me there. game. Is that what I, I feel like Melo has that type of persona? Like oh, you didn't man. want me back. Like you guys are three and four, and you didn't want me, me back. Okay, yeah. I so, hope he doesn't have a remember I, me game, or I remember that he wants to have a remember me game and plays in twenty percent of my lineups, but um. Um, are, you, uh, are you ready to wrap this bad boy up? I think it's a remarkably short episode for us. I mean, yeah, I think we're we're ready to to send this one out into the uh, out into the the online atmosphere wherever it goes. You know, the cloud, whatever, wherever you listen to your podcast, it, it'll be there soon enough. We're available on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, Dash Radio, Nothing But Net Radio, Tuesdays two to three. And thank you so much for listening, and we are out of here.